been writing? No, I uh, I just got done um, spending six hours of my life. For this like book. it wasn't like a full six hours. Like five and a half. Okay, I'll give you that. I out of five and a half hours, you couldn't have got any writing done. No, before or after, Mm-mm. or even during, if you were bored in any part. They don't know what we're talking about yet. I don't know my name the title either. We'll just let them have to wait till they get to the actual episode to find out the topic of the day. Not pornography. Porno nag nib nib nib. Not yet, Caleb. Save it towards the end of the episode. I got some writing done. That's good on your uh, that story you want to submit. Yeah, I've been writing uh, the last couple of days. I was wrong. It wasn't due on the 29th. It's due on the 30th. Oh, give me an extra day. There you go to procrastinate. Yeah, <laughs> not, not finish it. Oh, well, I would have started today, but I'll start <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, assuming I don't have anything to do on Saturday, I'm gonna try to see if I can knock it all out that day. I say I do that, but then I watch that documentary, and I'm just like, well, now I have to write because that's what you do. Correct? If you're a writer. Maybe. Sit down and put some words on the paper. That'll get head head injuries. Lots of head wounds. Yeah. I've had some head wounds. Mostly caused by stupidity. I could imagine. <laughs> some bills have been rung. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, how do you do? You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I said the whole name because this is a highbrow episode of fine literature. The highest of brows. No, I don't think we're actually going to talk about literature very much. Maybe a little bit. Your eyebrows are really high. I don't, yeah, I don't sure know if they I like are. It. You look like Jack Nicholson. I don't like it. <laughs> um, I am your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Cuban cockswain church. <laughs> I told you I bring it yeah. Before you told me I should do Cuba because it goes with the episode, I was going to name you the Swedish Superman. So oh. fucked yourself. Mm. Fucked yourself on that one. Maybe another time. Well, I can't now. I already ruined it. Uh. So now you'll be like the Swedish something else. Maybe I'll use like a town in Sweden, but I don't think I can pronounce any of them. <laughs> um, assuming the title is uh, self-explanatory, then you know what this episode's mm. about. But if not... So I'm thinking about just naming it something like Mustaches and Hemingway or just something ridiculous. Um, I was thinking if we could try to f- figure out like a uh, Hemingway-like title. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. In the classic literature group I'm in, uh, they were for a week talking about the PBS documentary on uh, Ernest Miller Hemingway uh, done by Ken Burns. Um, I haven't watched too many Ken Burns documentaries, but I think the few I have watched, they were really well done. I mean, if they're like, yeah, if they're anything like this yeah. series was, it definitely have the quality and the uh, the effort and like you know the research. Well, I've watched a few Hemingway like shorter twenty minute documentaries on YouTube, and they definitely well besides the quality, like the videos and pictures and stuff in this documentary, I have never seen a lot of them. And I like how do they get World War One footage of Hemingway? Yeah, like, like him being in, injured, and uh, they even got that uh, because Hemingway doesn't have really any of his voice on audio except for later in life but they got one when he was like late 20s or 30s when he was in the spanish civil war and he did a recording of him like reading uh i'm assuming something he wrote for a jur- uh, 
magazine or something. But uh, things like that were really cool. It's like you, like you, he really did a deep dive into yeah. that. Like all, like I, how did they get so many pictures of Hemingway as a kid? And then there was like those, um, uh, those older pictures that you know, and videos that were in color. Yeah, at the end when he was in Cuba and stuff, that was uh, surprising to me because I wouldn't expect Ernest Hemingway, like whoever's with him, just to be filming all the time. And even like there's a famous picture, which I don't think was in the documentary, like right around the time he killed himself. He's in his bathroom. He's like half naked, bald, holding a shotgun. Mm. Who took that picture? Yeah. Because he just looks crazy as fuck. It's like, who took that picture? Was it his wife? It had to be. Why? For evidence. Evidence, maybe. I implore any of you, uh, writer or non-writer, even if you don't actually want to like have any interest in reading Hemingway, just the guy's life and just like the uh, the way this documentary is done, I highly recommend checking it out. I'm not gonna break down Hemingway's life too much because I mean, you just watch the fucking documentary, but I, I did want to talk um, kind of about like his writing evolution. You you haven't read any Hemingway yet, right? No. Um, I've read most of his stuff now. I'll give you that. Uh, I'll let you borrow that PBS because all the store short stories they talked about in that um in that documentary are in that collection. Okay. So you'll get a better feel. But one thing I didn't realize about Hemingway was almost all of his stories, not all of them, but I would say ninety percent of them, it's pretty much just him in the story. Yeah. Like there's character traits that are different and stuff, but it's you could tell even the stories uh for whom the bell tolls is like I mean, it's not Hemingway, but you could tell he's had those experiences. Um, it's either he's stuff that he's been through, or people that he's known mm-hmm. have been through, and he's using that. Or uh, old the old man in the sea. That was a surprising one because you know, old Cuban man out the sea catches a fish. I know Hemingway was a deep fisherman, you know, deep sea fisherman in his later years, but I didn't think like he would have been in that story really. No, it's one hundred percent about Hemingway again yeah. because it's about an older man who's trying to kind of trying to kind of he's trying to find uh like some redemption in his life you know he, the old man wants to catch this one big elusive fish and show everybody he still got mm-hmm. it well that was Hemingway in his time because that was right he wrote a failed novel like it was it was universally panned and everyone said Hemingway's done he's his career's over this is the end for him and he's like well fuck you guys I'm and this is brain damage like severely brain damaged Hemingway at this point because he's been in all these accidents and stuff and then he writes the old man the scene wins the Nobel Prize. Yeah. So he's like that was the old man going out there trying to make you know that one last comeback. So I really like that he uh, incorporates things like that. And uh, I wish I would have waited to read that collection till after I saw the documentary because I would have really been able to pinpoint all the stories that like the Nick Adams character is pretty much just Hemingway, mm. which is in like most of those stories in that collection. So uh, when you read those, you'll have to let me know what you think because I mean his style is really easy to read. Wasn't his like a uh... Wasn't it the like the first like novel that he really got got that like went big for him was basically the story of whenever he got hurt and he fell in love with the nurse taking care of him was that was that the first novel or was that that was a uh, that was a short story which is in the collection um I f- there's a couple of them when he got injured in World War One he's only like nineteen or something at the time yeah and he falls in love with the nurse and he gets ends up getting rejected by her and. They think that warped his uh, view on women and stuff for life, but the way... Uh, no, I think his mom probably had a lot well, to do with that. We'll get into that. But he had a few uh, stories, which was pretty much like almost like autobiography during that time. But I would say like The Sun Also Rises, where it's like just this young... He was 
the only difference about the main character of that story and Hemingway is like that guy was impotent. Yeah. He got his like dick blown off in a war, which doesn't actually say that, but it's implied. But what he even said in the documentary, all the characters that he was hanging out with in Paris and going to Spain and all these places with, <laughs> those are all the people in the story just changed their names. Yeah. And except for, which was an odd choice, the Jewish athlete guy that he was like friends with, that was like, you know, like kind of a cool guy. He's an athlete and stuff. He made him like a fucking despicable wienery coward in like you know small coward in the book which was a weird change but all the characters uh, he, well he even wrote the book with the character names yeah he, he wrote the the um, book with all the character or all their names as the characters and then he just changed it so he wouldn't get sued yeah so that again that's another one it's like how much of that is actually fiction now i go back and read a lot of those stories and so i'm like how much of this is fiction and just hemingway's life well i mean well that was like a big part of the documentary series is when yeah. it came to his well, even when it came to his life how much of it was actually truth and how much of it was actually just hemingway being Hemingway, yeah. like hamming it up and chewing the scenery and stuff. It was very hard to separate the uh, author from the work. He also, besides just incorporating like what happened in his life and his stories, he seemed to have a habit of embellishing his own real life. Yeah, which is weird to me because he lived like a ridiculous life. He fought in what three wars? Well, he was in World War One. He got blown up. He was an ambulance driver. And then he went to the Spanish Civil War as uh, a correspondent, and then he saw a bunch of horrible shit. And then he went to World War II, and he didn't even want to. Just He did it in spite of his wife at the time, yeah. and he, he saw the invasion of Normandy. Like, he was there on D-Day watching it, and then he w- ended up fighting. That was great. Like, they said he grabbed a rifle and just joined the... And could you imagine being... Because they said that he was in... Um... I forget what they were called, but the things that basically that were in the water that pulled up to like the you know to the beach to let them yeah storm, like and but like he had to stay in there. Could you imagine being in the back of that thing and just looking out? Be terrifying at, at, at yeah. that beach. I don't know if it's in a collection or not, but I would like to see all his like journalistic things like that, like yeah. when he's in the Spanish War and stuff, because all of the uh, excerpts they had on that documentary were excellent. And I, I well going back to his writing. Like I was telling you, I think I was texting you about it. Um, the way no, I was telling you yesterday or the other day, whenever. But the way he uh, writes, it's very simplistic. But when you read it out loud, it seems like it changes it. Yeah. Like it, then you can really like get the impact and the imagery and stuff. Like a lot of those, because I read most of those stories that were in that documentary. But then when they were actually read aloud by somebody else, I was like, oh, I get it now. Because when you're reading, you just kind of read well, through it sometimes. It, it doesn't hurt having Jeffrey Daniels. Yeah. Read, was, read it, reading those words, too. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so I would say audiobooks could actually be, uh, ben- like, depending on who's doing the audio, yeah. but some of his stories might actually make them better. Which I don't say that about a lot of authors. Maybe, like, a Neil Gaiman, too, could be, you know, if he's reading it. This is dreamy. Yeah, British accent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, swooning. But the uh, Hemingway stories are interesting because it doesn't seem... Well, I forget who said it in the story. I mean, in the documentary. But it was something along the lines of... It seems like it's just, you know, one word at a time, one sentence at a time. And it's just, like, very simplistic. But then it just hits you. Like, it lulls you into this salt, false sense of, like, oh, this is just an easy read that, you know... I think Hemingway said he writes for you know anybody to read. He uh, what is it like a fifth grade level or no high school? He said anybody yeah. in high school should be able to read my work or something like that. Well, people were you know they read it, but then they don't realize they're actually reading like art. Like it's yeah. very literary. 
And um, you don't get that. Even from a lot of classic literature, like the language is just too flowery that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm reading fine literature. And then, and then you kind of can zone out. Or, I mean, even if you like, like Dracula, when we read that, it was like, okay, some of this, I don't give a fuck what's happening. But Hemingway, like, there's none of that extra shit. What I didn't know uh, without reading, you know, any of his work was how, like, at a time, a lot of it was kind of very, like, controversial. Yeah, well, for- I mean, that Hill's, uh, like white elephants or whatever it's called. I mean, when I first read that, it, it didn't really hit me until the end. It's like, oh, they're talking about abortion in like the 1920s. Man. Like, this is not something talked about. And um, going back to when you mentioned his mom fucking him up, when she had him and his sister, who's around the same age, she would dress them both like boys or both like girls in dresses. Like, it was very it would, androgynous. It would make them, you know, say that they were twins yeah, and stuff like that. Weird stuff. And I, like, I knew about that, but I didn't know that later in life, like, he ended up getting like a sexual fetish for that, like, yeah. where he'd be with women. And I don't know if this was, it was just strictly brain damage Hemingway or if this was just his whole life a thing he was harboring, but he would be like, uh, you know, like, call me Christine and I'll call you Peter. Like, he would play, like, almost like a lesbian, like, because he was well, still attracted to women. Like, um, one of his wives was, she kind of wanted to be, like, a man or was, yeah. you know, very... Boyish. M- yeah. And... Well, if you look at all the women that he married, they all kind of had, like, a boyish look to him. Yeah. They were all very thin and he would, like, when they cut their hair short and dye it blonde and it was kind of strange. Um, And then his, his, his own son... um. Was it John, Jack? I forget the youngest one. He ended up becoming like a cross-dresser. And at least from the documentary standpoint, Hemingway didn't seem like he was actually bothered by that, which is weird because, you know, his manly bravado uh, that he always put on, it just seemed like he was mad that the kid got in trouble and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the the mom, she uh, died because she got in a fight with Hemingway after the kid got arrested. He's like 17, 18, 19, something. He's young. Um, she ended up having like an aneurysm or something like that. Uh, just some kind of tumor that like exploded. It's like Jesus, how much stress are you under that that happens? But I guess Hemingway was kind of unbearable at times. Again, because of the CTE from uh, all the constant fucking head wounds. Like I never, I didn't, I knew he had head wounds in his life, but like, goddamn. Yeah. I mean, when he was already damaged in his forties and almost fifty, he got in two plane crashes. What this like and, one and, day and, apart? And, yeah, and, and then the, the the second one, he had to bang his head off against the window to escape. Yeah, because at that time he was too big; he couldn't fit through the window. Yeah, so he had to bash his head through the window. Like it was ridiculous. And then they did that interview because I've seen it online before, where he's talking to that guy, and I think uh, at his home in Cuba, and it was like real weird sound. Like it was just it was really off. But then they actually explained in the documentary he had to read off of cue cards. Yeah, whenever he won the Nobel. Nobel yeah. The, the, yeah, because, um, yeah, whenever I saw that towards the end of the last one, I was just like, wow. Yeah, but because, well, he was even saying comma and period. Yeah. When he was reading it, he was like, and I am, a, you know, very grateful for the award, period. But the way he was talking was very stunted and it was it was bizarre. And he but, he'd literally be looking down yeah. at the cue cards or off to the side to the cue cards. It, it was strange. And, uh, I mean, they did say that, uh, he was having trouble, like, you know, slurring his words, and he he caused a rain in his ear. He's going deaf at one point. Like, he was having horrible issues from these accidents. And also, raging alcoholic. Yeah. And he was an alcoholic his whole life, pretty much. I mean, all his, every single one of his novels, it's nothing but drinking through the yeah. whole thing. Like, it's just commonplace. Also, with, like, the CTE stuff, it was weird because he, 
at least from what the documentary showed and stuff, he didn't seem like he was a racist guy at all. No. But he would just, like, in the letter, like, he a raging, angry letter to, uh... It was, like, an editor or something that wanted to read this army guy's book or something. This guy yeah. wrote a book about his uh, leaving the war or something. And Hemingway just was throwing in, like, racial slurs. And the guy was white. It wasn't even about the guy. He was just throwing, like, racial slurs and just, like, all this horrible language for no reason. And even, like, the people on the show were just like, why? I, we don't get it. Again, probably the CTE just fucking with them, you know, making heck. Because apparently you'd have these crazy outbursts and uh, just all these weird things. And the one thing I got from the documentary was his whole image wasn't real. Like, no. That was just put on. I mean, he was a big game hunter and a fisherman and, you know, all the war stuff. And But when it came to, like, the super macho manly guy and, you know, I'll fight you anywhere. Like, he was apparently, like, a very soft person, too. And uh, he just, like, it was almost like it got away from him. Like, he was trying to create this myth, you know, make himself seem cooler than he was. And then it just, you know, blew up. And then that's who he, almost like a Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Where, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, he was like a normal guy at one point. He might did drugs, but then it got away from him. And everyone just saw him as the crazy fucking druggie. I was going to, uh, I was going to, that was going to be one of the points that I brought up. I was, I wanted to see what you thought of, like, they're kind of like the different ends of the coin kind yeah. of. Hunter H. Thompson and um and Hem- Hemingway. Well, Hemingway brought a journalistic style of writing to fiction, and Hunter S. Thompson well, because that's what he got to start. In yeah, newspapers, which apparently, uh, back in the day, to have a newspaper, all you had to do was put the word "star" yeah in your title, and bam, yeah. newspaper. Yeah, and you can just leave high school and just go work for a nice newspaper. Like he went like right from high school with the top newspaper in the country, one of them, like the Kansas Star or whatever it was. So yeah, he brought you know journal like a journalistic style of writing to fiction, whereas Hunter S. Thompson invented the Gonzo style, yeah. which was he brought you know a fiction to journalism. So that was both interesting, I guess. They both kind of changed the landscape uh, landscape of writing uh, in the literary world. Hemingway was like completely against the grain, though. Because at the time, you know, who was popular, like Scott Fitzgerald and uh, I think Faulkner was coming out. And they all, you know, pretty difficult reads if you don't read a lot. And then here's Hemingway with just these simple sentences and, you know, just basic paragraph structure. And there's nothing really, you know, you can't really get confused reading the Hemingway book unless you're just not paying attention. Everything is like every word has importance and every sentence has meaning. You can't like skip it. You know, like, I've been fucking fake reading now in Morse, <laughs> Jerusalem. Just a lot of speed reading and scanning. Yeah, you could just skip pages and you're not really missing much. Versus a Hemingway book, if you skip a page, well, now you don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah. For the most part. Old Man in the Sea is slightly different. He's more, I would say it is most literary in that book. More Whoa. of a novella. It's not, it's like 150 pages or something, but. Uh, well, also too, because as we were saying earlier, at that time, I think he had, like, something he was trying to prove. Yeah. He wanted to be like, hey. I still got this. Yeah. But even when they were reading the excerpt from his shitty novel and everyone was making all those literary snobs on there were fucking making fun of it, I was like, that's fucking really good writing. What are yeah. you talking about? Like, maybe the story's goofy and over-sentimental and all this, but I felt like the writing was still really good. I don't know about you. You might have you might have known some of them, uh, but me, I... I don't know if I felt, like, stupid, but like, I just, like, because, you know, like, all the people that they talk to, like, I have no idea. I knew John McCain. That was it. He's not a writer, though. Yeah, like like uh, like any of those writers that they talk to and the scholarly yeah. people. It's like 
I can take your word for why you might, you know, have the the, the inside track on... Uh... When I was watching that and all those people popped up, like all those writers, which were all old, by the way. There was no young ones, I don't think. Like The youngest well, one you... were some of the literary people, but uh, I got the same feeling I do a lot of times in the classic book club where they, you know, if I'm reading through the posts they have, I was like, don't know that, don't know that writer, don't know, never heard of any of these... That's kind of what I got. Like that one Irish woman. I didn't even realize she was Irish for a minute uh, mm. until she talked about being in Ireland. I was like, why is that lady talking funny? Yeah, right. I thought her dentures were falling out because she was saying words like real, like with these. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she must have dentures. But no, she's just Irish. Uh, I guess the red hair should have been a giveaway. But and then the, like that Spanish speaking guy I was like, who's this guy? Which was weird because what, what book was it that he hated? Because some of them were very different. Like, everyone said uh, Old Man in the Sea was Hemingway's, like, greatest masterpiece. Almost everyone. But then the Irish lady, who was, like, one of his biggest... They are all, like, super big Hemingway yeah. fans. She really disliked it. Like, she didn't like that at all. But um, either For Whom the Bell Tolls or... um, What was the one? Something Arms? Fuck. The one about the Spanish Civil War. He uh the the Spanish guy didn't like that because I guess he had more insight into yeah. that stuff and he was uh he just pretty much was like that was his worst novel whereas like John McCain was like that's his best novel so that was interesting farewell to arms I don't know why I forgot yeah. that did you take anything away about his writing habits that you thought were interesting in that a lot like other than in the beginning they didn't really talk too much like about like his writing habits other than just like the um. He would try to like sit down and do it, but like you know, I don't, I don't really remember them too much going into. Well, especially later in his life when he was living in Cuba, he would wake up really early and he would write until lunchtime, and then he'd just be hammered drunk for the rest of the day. Like yeah. uh, Patrick Hemingway, his uh, middle son, he said that you know. You wouldn't see dad all day in the morning and stuff. Like, you just didn't talk to him, yeah. you know. But then afternoon came, and then you got to spend all his time with the... Yeah, and he'd be all happy yeah. because he'd be drunk. Which was very sad, though, because they were talking about, like, what a great childhood they had and stuff. And then, like, Hemingway, every time he wrote a new book, he had to have a new wife, by the yeah. way, which is weird, you know. But all the women, like, I mean, he was a handsome dude when he was young and stuff, and I could see the allure... But all the women, like, even after he divorced them, he did them all wrong. He cheated on all of them with, like, the next one. Uh, they still, like, stuck by him. Well, like, he, were... well he told them. They, they they said that he told them in one of the letters, like, to what's, well, like, on the third one. He's like, hey, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's very harsh. But the sad thing about that was, like, that's with his kids and stuff, as he got older and, like, that brain damage really started kicking in, he started having all these mood swings and stuff. It was just like you just see his whole family life deteriorating. Like he was just now. How much do you think any of that writing? Because like granted, like he he was already like getting a decent start writing before he went to the war. But wait, didn't he get a head injury before he even went to the war? Uh, did he get like injured when he was a kid or something? I can't remember. I want to say he did. I forget. There were so many head injuries, like. So you, like, I mean, how, in one of the wars, he got it was World War Two. I think when he's just correspondent, like his fucking jeep or whatever he's in got blown up, and he fucking hit his head on a rock. Yeah. And then like it showed that giant scar on his head when he brought like an awning down on himself yeah. just at his house. Like he's always he's very clumsy apparently, just always getting hit in the head, but he never died. So how much do you, do you think any of that played a factor in like how he wrote? Like, do you think if maybe without all those head injuries, do you think 
he would be able to better or worse writer. I, I mean, obviously, I think maybe better because he probably would have been able to go longer. Honestly, I think the uh, even more than the head injuries, the alcohol probably had more of an effect on his yeah. writing. Obviously, the head injuries don't help because uh, he would say, like, when he, you know, after one of those concussions, he just like couldn't remember words and a short term memory. Well, like, he was getting electroshock therapy yeah. for the depression he was in. It seemed like because he even when he was a kid, like apparently he was always talking about suicide, and then his dad ended up committing suicide, and he committed suicide the same way. But like his whole life was always like thinking of death. Well, like I was gonna say, like one of like if you would ask me to try to sum Hemingway up in a word, I think the word would have to be ironic. Yeah, just because like if you um just of like like how the mirroring of his. Of his life to like his actual life to his his public life mm-hmm. to because uh, like whenever his father committed suicide he would he talked about like how weak his father yeah. was and like how we you brought up earlier about um that uh, Arthur's book that he wanted him to read to check out mm-hmm. and he was say he he even said he seems like a guy. That would commit suicide, yeah. and just like and all, and all he had that like a stuff. real love hate relationship with suicide. Like you saw, you're like super weak if you commit suicide, suicide, but then at the same time you wanted it. And then like they would say at the parties uh, in Cuba with all of his elderly men friend without yeah. wearing any shirts and kind of yeah. short pants, like <laughs> and a lot of drinking. Well, I don't know what's going on there, but they would say, Boat like, parties. Would, well, they would say, like, you know, they'd bring up how he would practice his suicide. In front they, of him. Yeah. Yeah, he'd get the shotgun, put his toe in the thing, in the on the trigger, and show how he'd kill himself, and then he'd laugh or whatever. But I guess he just did that all the time. Hemingway is just very strange in that he was one of those guys that seemed like he his whole life, he was just chasing death. But in doing so, he ended up living, like, one of the most incredible lives. Like, he lived more than most people ever will. Even just any 10-year period in his life, honestly. I mean, he's fucking safari hunting, and he was in three wars. Like, you know, who the fuck is in World War One? Yeah. The You know, what do they call that? The, the Great War, the, the yeah. you know, the War of All Wars. And then the worst one came in World War Two, and he was in that. And he just went there for funsies. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Because he wasn't supposed to do any of that stuff in World War II. He was just supposed to be a correspondent. And he was just like, fuck. And I also, was it World Yeah, World War II, I think it was. Either that or the Spanish War. One of them. Because apparently a lot of celebrities were going to these wars, which yeah. I didn't know. Like Langston Hughes was there with Hemingway. And, um, well, not- I think I think those were like how they, like, like the uh, USOs kind of shows mm-hmm. where they bring in the, like, the celebrities to kind of yeah, boost yeah. the morale of, like, the soldiers and stuff like that. Except... Hemingway was there. I'm going to go shoot. off with the troops now. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah, just yeah. let him. That's the weird thing. Like, as strict as the military is, well, Hemingway just did, That's everything FBI, like, every fucking thing he was involved in just seemed to let him do whatever he well, wanted. Well, even whenever he was close to the end and he was in the hospital with like, the doctors, he would go play golf with them or hunt with them. Shooting, yeah. like, what the why? He'll drink wine with them when, like, he's super depressed and wanting to kill himself and he's <laughs> being treated for depression. The one thing they didn't have in that documentary they'd be really interested in, because they talked about him being super paranoid about the FBI in his later years. I don't know why, but they glossed over it. Because after Hemingway killed himself, the main thinking is is because he was, you know, in fear of the FBI was tracking him and bugging him and all this shit. In like nineteen eighty three or eighty four, they uh they they released the files on Hemingway, like the Freedom Information Act or whatever it was at the time, and it was true. Like, they had a 150-page report on Hemingway they were following, and he actually worked for the FBI when he was in Cuba. 
he was a spy for him. Like oh, yeah? he was like working with him. And uh at some point and I think it even goes back maybe to like World War One or two not World War One, but uh either the Spanish War or World War Two, I think he was also doing stuff for him, like, you know, secret shit. And then he ends up finally he's just like, All right, I don't want to do this anymore and then they just started stalking him because of the whole like he met Fidel Castro for like five minutes, yeah. but then they made it seem like he was buddies with him and I think he just pissed off Hoover, honestly. I think he's just fucking pissed, who was uh, the head of the FBI at the time. I think he just made him mad or something. And, and you just, did not want to piss off Hoover. Yeah, because, I mean, it sounds like, well, I mean, he's a rich guy and stuff. Why would it be that worrisome if the FBI was falling? It's not like they're going to kill him in the street or like they're not going to do anything to him probably, right? But just imagine if, like, you know, you can't just sit in your house. Well, we can kind of imagine it now because yeah. everything in our house probably records us. But uh, it was different back then. Like, they, it would be very obvious if you saw two guys in a fucking van or something following you around. Yeah. That would be unnerving. Especially in a small town like Ketchum, Idaho, yeah. where he was living. Another just, like, funny thing uh, about Hemingway is, like, you know, he's considered, like, the great American author who, like, never spent any time in America. Like, yeah. as soon as he could get fucking out. He was out. He was out, and, like, he hardly came back. The only reason he lived in Idaho for the rest of his, you know, his last how many years was because uh, the Bay of Pigs and shit yeah. happened, and then he couldn't go back to his house in Cuba. He actually had to leave all his pets and books and everything he had there. That's probably when they made it seem like that was maybe one yeah. of the final things that kind of drove him right. like towards the end, like over the edge a little bit. Another thing that uh, I don't know if this, I'm assuming this happened after he died, but uh, if it didn't, it would also explain why the FBI was really after Hemingway's. They put him on money. They put his face on yeah. money there. Uh, so, you know, a communist country, you don't want to be on their money if you're not a communist. But the, going back to, like, his writing, it did seem, because they had so many pictures of him actually writing, he had a standing desk for a long time, too. Like, if you saw a lot of those pictures, especially in his later life, he was at a standing desk, always on his typewriter. Say what you want about the man and his fucking chronic drinking, and uh, he was like Hunter S. Thompson styling it almost, because he couldn't have been getting that much sleep if he was waking up early to write. But, like, the old man in the sea, didn't it say he cranked that out in, like, eight weeks? Something like that, yeah. And, like, a lot of the time, he, he seemed like a binge writer, whereas he would have trouble writing at times, probably, mm. again, because of the drinking and stuff. But then all of a sudden, if he had this idea and this inspiration, he just ignored the rest of his life. No, and You know, nobody could talk to him no matter what he did. He was just writing. That's the only thing he cared about. Which would probably be easy with his, like, writing style. You mm -hmm. can get a lot done. Well, another thing about Hemingway's life that I didn't know until I watched the documentary was I always assumed because, you know, he was super famous Hemingway, he had to be rich as shit, and that's how he was able to afford to go to all these countries and do all this stuff. No. I mean, other than, like, his work assignments, so you get an assignment with a magazine or a newspaper to go be a correspondent somewhere, he lived off his wives. Yeah. Like, they, most of them, all, if not all of them, came from, like, rich families that supported him, and he resented that. But at the same time, relied on it. Especially the uh, the one, I forget which one, it, was it the third one? Paula? Pauline? Who, like, put out her own novel, and, like, he told her, like, it was shit. And, that like, was the last one, Mary. And, like, how dare you? Yeah. But then whenever it did come out, like, publicly, he talked about, like, how great it was, yeah. and then stuff like that. Or he had, like, a f five wives, right? fourth one, I think, was Mary. I think the one was that four, Mar Mary it? Gelchin or something was, like, a writer, and she was the one who was actually on the beach at D-Day, which was crazy. Yeah, she was another one. She, like, got, she was, like, she was literally the female Hemingway, and uh, it's kind of sad she's lost the time, because I never even heard of her before. No. I was just, oh, one of Hemingway's wives. No. She was her own person, her own writer, 
And from just the excerpts they put of her work on there, it seemed like she might have been a better writer, yeah. like, you know, as far as actual language usage goes. Uh, Hemingway was just way more famous, but yeah, he, you know, he lived off a lot of his wives and stuff. And, uh, it also, it was weird. Be- I mean, I guess when you're a famous writer, you're going to have writer buddies. It's like everyone in Hemingway's life, and everyone in Hemingway's life, was really good at writing. Like all yeah. those letters, even the letters he they would read from his kids or something they would send him. It's like, why is it like his wives' letters, even his first wives who weren't writers, like why does everyone write so good? Like is that just back then everyone could write very well? Well, because well, that was the main form of communication. So yeah, probably people were better at writing. But now, like you ever read just a random Facebook post? God. Ugh. Terrible. Terrible. You know, uh what I thought was interesting, especially towards the end, I didn't realize like, Hemingway lived until, like, the early 60s, because, like, I thought he died sooner, because I thought he was, I, I must have just thought he was born a little bit sooner, and then especially, like, because, you know, as the, as the documentary is progressing, you can see more photos and, and footage of him of that time, and then you see, like, the age that he was, like, how he looked when he was, like, when he was, like, 60, and, and, you know, dying, it was just, like, Oh man, he looked bad. Yeah, looked he looked like an old man in his late forties yeah, and fifties. But by the time he was sixty, he looked ancient. He looked like an eighty-year-old. And I don't know why he would ever, why he would ever get away from the beard. He's he always looked, jumping back between like mustache and beard, and you know, they like, rock that beard, bro. It was like, a different time. Like back then, everyone was clean shaven. So the fact that he even had the mustache was impressive. But yeah, the, he was one of those guys that was like, oh man, you have an amazing, good-looking beard. Full head of hair, rocket, and even when it got the salt and pepper beard, but only communists had beards back then, like Fidel Castro. So I guess he didn't want to. I don't know. Like you could tell every time he was on a drunken bender, because then he'd have this giant yeah. beard for a while, and then it'll be like, oh, then the next day he comes out, he just has this tight little mustache. Like what the fuck, guy? Just rock that beard. But that was a very good documentary. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Which a lot of those documentaries, I was a little hesitant to watch it just because, uh, because I thought you know it'd probably be a little dry. Because no. it, it was a PBS documentary. I was like, well, how much, you know, they can't really have strong language or anything. Well, they had some shits in there, I think. And they showed some butt cheek pictures yeah. from one of his wives, which I was like, man, they, how they get that picture on the yeah. PBS? And then uh, there was also, like, they they were, uh, whenever they read some of the letters and stuff like that, they were swears that they just bleeped them out, though. Yeah, but you knew what they were. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very good. Well, I mean, it was Ken Burns' documentary, so... I think he got a Muhammad Ali one on there I should watch. Uh, or is he making a Muhammad Ali one? I forget. Also, fucking PBS has a, a Poe. It's not like a documentary necessarily. It's like because they have an actor playing Poe. Okay. So what do you call those? Like a reenactment? Reenactment. There you go. Of something in his life. I don't know if it's his whole life or what it is. But uh, it's like an hour and a half long. And I went to watch that uh, last night. And I have to get PBS passport. And uh, I think you have mm-hmm. to subscribe. And I was pay for it. I was like, fuck. I was very happy that Hemingway documentary wasn't on there because I thought that I was going to have to pay for that. I was like, well, I, I had to actually watch all three parts on my phone because by the part, time I got to it, they didn't have them on, on demand anymore. Lame. Well, I told my sister to watch it. And I said, you better get that PBS app quick because you and watch it before they make it because I'm sure they're going to put it on the passport. Yeah. And then you'll have to pay for it. Uh, which if they had enough content I was interested in, because I'll show you on my list sometime. Like it looks like they have some good. Well, you have it. You look. Yeah, I was looking. Yeah, because yeah. I was I like was Nova in... and a lot of good series. It's just like I'm more interested in the writing and literature stuff now. And I, 
didn't see too much of that on there. Like what what I would want to watch. Well, I was actually <clears throat> interested too because I was flipping through. They even actually had like some like little mini like comic like interviews yeah. and documentaries and stuff like that. So I was like, huh, I might have to keep this app for a little bit. Yeah, I I, I must have been really slacking because I thought PBS was just still all like Mister Rogers and Arthur reruns. I didn't know they were you know hitting the game so hard. But uh, I have to check off. You know, check out some stuff. So donate money to your local PBS. Yes, yes. What does that stand for? Penis ball shits. Yes. No, that can't be right. Public broadcast system? Station? Sounds right. What'd you say? Station? Oh, I thought you said facial. Could be public broadcast <laughs> station. <laughs> I don't know why I sounded like that. I'll have to hit the playback. <laughs> like, no, he definitely said facial. He's <laughs> fucking with me. So I think that sums everything up. I mean, he lived a ridiculous yeah, life, well, so... Yeah, without getting into even more for the detail of things, and that's just mm. stuff, if you're that interested, you should just check out the documentary. Yeah. They do a fine, better job of... Obviously. Well, the first episode's his childhood, and then, like... The beginning his, of his writing and Yeah, stuff. how he got into writing, and his whole experience with the Lost Generation in Paris, which is James Joyce, Gertrude Stein, Ezra Pound, all those fucking famous people. Uh, the second part is, the second episode is, like, that's, like, dealing with the uh, Spanish War, I think, World War Two, everything up till, like, pretty much, like, Cuba, when he started having, like, real bad brain problems, and then the third episode's the end of his life, and, uh, all are very good. You don't even have to watch all of them, if you just watch any one of them, yeah. you'd get, like, a lot of information from it, that'd be cool, but I highly recommend, because when I saw the time on it, I was like, oh, I don't know if yeah. I want to... Get into these, but it's like, you know what? I'll just watch the first one, see how it is. And say, okay, I guess I gotta watch them all now. Um, very well done. The qu- quick question before before we wrap up and we get out of here knowing the the whole story and how it all ended for you know, for Mr. Hemingway and, and all that, if you had the opportunity to go and get the switch and have the Hemingway experience, no, you wouldn't. Not, uh, you know, you got to write all those good books and Not stories. Not at all. Like, all the death that man saw, like, World War One. he just, well, everyone's maybe exploded. That's what, but maybe that's what you got to go through to, you know, be a good writer, maybe. Well, even when he was living in Key West, Florida, like, the fucking, they sent all those vets down, homeless vets down there because they wanted to revamp Key West. Like, the gov- I think, was it Roosevelt or Truman? Whoever was the fucking president at the time that happened. The government sent, like, 200 homeless vets down there to fucking build shit or whatever. Then they had like a, the worst hurricane of fucking Florida history at the time. And then it showed like, cause that's one thing about this PBS documentary. It shows the pictures of bodies and stuff. Yeah. And Hemingway actually went and he was, I'll say this about him. He always jumped into help for shit. Like he was a very torn man. Cause as selfish as he was, he was always helping people and stuff too. But uh, it was people who helped him. He shit on the most, which is weird. Well, I think what is he, the only reason he helped, I think. Make himself look good. Make himself look good. Get people talking about him. Well, how great he was. Or what. He wrote that letter or whatever for the magazine or newspaper, whatever it was, about what happened in Florida, the hurricane and what the government did and all those dead people. And the way he described everything, you're like, oh, God. And he, because he was there, you're talking about their swollen tongues and, you know, all these bodies together. It, it It's really brutal. So I would not want to see any of that stuff. Like, that would be horrible. That's probably why he drank so much. Like, you can't have that much trauma in your life and just be fine. And then, obviously, the brain damage and stuff. And also, uh, I like having my phone and computer. I don't want to write on a old typewriter anymore. And 
I don't want to have... Uh... What about for the Hemingway equipment of today? Like, you know, you have the... I bet the drinks back then weren't that good either. They're probably so strong. They, I was going to say they were either super watery or they were the strongest thing that you've ever had. Everything had to be warm, you could either You could either run... Either, they'd be watered down or you could run your car on it. One of the two. Only fancy places had ice. They had to go, like, scrape it off an iceberg. <laughs> uh, so anyway, folks, without rambling on too much longer... If you want to check out our Nobel Prize winning fiction, head on over to drunkenpenwriting.com. Spencer just won what was the best poet of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pulitzer for poetry. Yes. yes. Yeah. Poet Master. Poet Master. That was for your, uh, I don't remember what that series was. It was like a one word spoken slam poetry. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Mm. I think it was about, uh, very powerful and moving. Very powerful. It was about bowel movements, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, but very powerful. Movie. Yeah. Very powerful uh, you can also hit us up on the old Twitter at Drunk Pen Writing, Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Pen Writing. And uh, Spencer's only fans this week is the well, Swedish you Superman. You, you have to. Uh, you have to tune in to find out. Oh, so it's not Swedish Superman anymore. Oh. He changed it already. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Well, just check it. <laughs> I feel bad. Everybody <laughs> goes and look up Swedish Superman. I'm like, who the fuck? Are you? Oh my god. This guy's buff. Is that what Spencer looks like? <laughs> yes. No. Yes, that is what Spencer looks like. You gotta have more confidence, man. Also, just fun fact, not really a fact, if you want to see a good portrayal of Hemingway in a movie, check out Midnight in Paris by the despicable Woody Allen. I'm not a I never was a really big Woody Allen fan, even before I learned what a creep he was. But Midnight in Paris is a funny movie. Uh, but it deals with Owen Wilson's character going back in time and he's uh meets Hemingway uh Loki, aka Fitzgerald, mm. uh, that's what well, he's in the movie. I was gonna say, like, that's that's one thing I'm surprised that there hasn't been some kind of like a biopic Hemingway movie. Like, I think it would be too unrealistic. <laughs> Is it? Like, it would be like some of those old war movies where they had to tone everything down because it came off too unrealistic. Because, like, you know, sometimes life is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Uh, so. But a Hemingway biopic would be awesome. But again, if it's a, you know six hour documentary, well. What are they going to fucking have for a movie? Maybe a series? I don't know. We don't talk about that. So thanks for listening. And uh, catch you next week. When, what are we talking about next week? Never know. I don't know. Is it next week recorded already? I don't know, man. That's that porn episode. <sighs> well, we still got one more to record. We can record next Thursday. Maybe Tuesday. I don't know. See you later. Bow!